Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and it is such a joy to be able to come before you this morning and to share the good word of the Lord with you. Praise God. Uh, my wife and I have been very busy traveling, preaching the gospel in various states and different locations, and actually tomorrow morning I, I leave early to hit down to another uh, meeting. This one will be in South Carolina. But I tell you, God's doing wonderful things, and we count it a great privilege to be able to share the gospel just as much as possible and to see, of course, God do miracles and signs and wonders among His people. It is very refreshing. But let me say that it brings a great joy to my heart to be able to speak to you as your internet pastor and to bring the Word of God to you so that you can enjoy the goodness and the blessing that God has for your life. Praise God. So th this morning, let us receive the holy tithes and offerings, and we're going to bring them into the house of the Lord. And I'd like to share a verse with you from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And as you can see, I have uh, escaped to my writer's retreat once again and have been making wonderful progress moving along in the book. You know, books take a while to write. I know some ministers, they, they can seem to knock them out in about a week. Uh, I can't do that. It takes me a while to, uh, how can we say, craft and develop. You want to select the right words. And, you know, I know sometimes uh, some ministers, they're blessed where they just kind of give a rough draft and they can hand it off to a, uh, uh, somebody else and that person will polish and maybe do a lot of the word choices. But, you know, I, I still do it the old-fashioned way. I actually still write my own books. And uh, I don't, uh, of course, knock anybody that would use a ghostwriter or these other means of uh, uh, doing that. But I, I just like writing it myself. It takes a little bit longer. Uh, but it also, uh, you know, it makes sure that the message is really the message that I would bring forth. Um, it's a true story. A few years back, oh, it's, it's been more than a few now, but there was this one writer. He was the ghostwriter for almost all of the major evangelical ministers, and he wrote for Billy Graham, and he wrote for um, who's uh, Brother Jerry Falwell, and so he was, he was like, uh, you know, of course, the books come out, and it's, the book shows by Billy Graham, or the book shows the author Jerry Falwell, but those guys, great men of God, they, they actually had a ghostwriter, so you just present an outline, and this person would come along and just write your whole book for you, and, you know, you didn't have to do all that work. Well, that, that didn't work out too good for some of those guys because this one ghostwriter was the main writer for a handful, a couple of handfuls of some of the most well-known ministers, not just in America, but in the world. And it turned out that he was a full-blown homosexual and even came out uh, and eventually publicly said that he was. And the whole time he was writing all those books, he was practicing and living in, uh, in sin. And you know, some of, those, some of those ministers got really upset at him. And some of the ones, the few that were spiritual, uh, such as uh, uh, Dr. Billy Graham and uh, Jerry Falwell, they very quickly forgave the man and expressed their love and concern for him. But nevertheless, my friends, if you, if you bake your own cake, you're, you can control the ingredients that go into it and also the eventual outcome when you put it on the table for people to eat. 
<laughs> Praise God. So I may be a little bit slower, but I'll cross the finish line eventually. And some things you don't want to rush either. You actually want to enjoy the process. And so I am again over at my writer's retreat, and I'm uh, coming to you this morning, not in my office, but uh, uh, here in this special location, which allows me to write very, very quiet. And as, of course, as perhaps you can see out the window, I'm actually in the middle of downtown somewhere, praise God. But uh, there's traffic all around me, but uh, this is such still a quiet place in the midst of the concrete jungle, praise God. Well, my friends, take your Bibles. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, let's take a look at verse 17. I think you will really enjoy this verse. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, now, this, this makes sense, doesn't it? This is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's telling, uh, you know, uh, Timothy is a pastor. He's telling uh, him how to instruct the members of his church who have wealth. And so, one of the instructions is to tell them not to be arrogant, don't be haughty, you know, don't be Mr. Wallpaper. In other words, stuck up. Okay, you want, you want to have a good attitude, and so these are some things he's covering. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. You know, it's very interesting because um, any believer that goes to heaven uh, and goes to be with the Lord upon their death, and of course that's where believers go, you go to heaven, the moment you cross over and you are on the other side and you're in heaven, you, the wealth that you now possess is beyond anything that if you took all the billionaires of the earth and put them together, they, could, they can't touch what you will experience in the first three seconds in heaven. The moment you get in heaven, you're walking on streets of gold. Now down here on the earth, we get happy about nice streets that are made with good asphalt, and you know the, the, the roads are black, but at least they're, you know, they're, they're safe and they're smooth. But in heaven, I mean, there is so much opulence and wealth in uh, luxury beyond comprehension right now that even in heaven, the streets are made of gold. And the whole, the whole city, the heavenly city, is made of gold. And it's 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, and get this, 1,500 miles high. And the whole city, that doesn't include the countryside. That doesn't include what's outside of the city, but the entire city is made of gold. So the moment any believer dies, that uh, they are in a realm of wealth that is beyond anything this world could ever touch. Praise God. Keep that in mind because there's a lot of wealthy people on the planet Earth, but they're not saved. So they are people with financial wealth who are spiritually impoverished, and they need Jesus. Well, where they're going is going to be very, very hot. Praise God. So, my friends, these are instructions uh, for those who have wealth uh, in this present age, not to be haughty, don't be arrogant, don't be prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches. I tell you what, uh, as long as you're in this earth, there are cycles. There's the roller coaster ride of economic recession, economic gain. Economic slowdown, economic turndown, economic upheaval. You have the bull market, you have the bear market, and you, you have fluctuation. And what might be up one day can be down the next day. So you don't want to put your trust in a what we would call a corrupt Babylonian system. That's, that's you know, kind of rolling wrong 
it's, it's working in the earth, but it is very fragile. It is very broken uh, from the perspective that it has so many flaws in it. But you know what? That's eventually going to change one day. So, you know, that's a system you don't want to put your trust in because there can be wild swings of, of uh, value assigned to certain things. And you, you see that in the stock market. You see it in all kinds of things uh, in regards to the natural realm of this earth's economy. So don't put your trust in uncertain riches because they're very uncertain, but in the living God. So there's the instruction to always put your trust in the living God. And I really do believe that when you have wealth and you put your trust in the Lord, the Lord will preserve your wealth because you are, you are being a good steward. You're walking close to the Lord and it's just really money with the mission and you are in a position where you're, where you're blessed and you can be a blessing. So I believe that when you serve the Lord and walk closely to the Lord and you have wealth, I believe God actually preserves it. And I believe He actually causes it to be increased in your life. Praise God. Now this, this closing phrase of this verse is very interesting. It says, to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God gives you richly all things to enjoy. This is very, very important. Why uh, does God give you provision? Why does God give you money? Well, Pastor Stephen, He does that so that He supplies my need according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Well, I understand that, but you have to understand the reason God is supplying your need is because He wants for you to enjoy a house that has air conditioning. So God supplies your need, the need that you have to pay your electrical bill, which provides HVAC system heating and cooling for your house. God su supplies so that you can enjoy it. Praise the Lord. This is very important because I think some Christians have confused uh, their language. They have misassigned uh, what, should be, what should be designated as love, uh, and they have given it the wrong title. For instance, you could say, I love ice cream. But then you'll turn around a few minutes later and you'll say, I love, I love the Lord. Well, that's, that's confusing to your spirit. And on the inside of you, if you talk like that, you won't be able to give the right recognition to the one who truly deserves the entitlement of love. The Bible says that God is love. So what do, if we love God, what should our affection be towards all of these other things? How, sh how should you feel about your car? How sh should you feel about your, your home? How should you feel about paying your bills on time? How should you feel about uh, a nice watch? Or how should you feel about uh, ladies going and get, getting your nails done? Should you love that? No, you don't love that. You enjoy that. See, love is towards the Lord, and love is towards people. But these things that God gives you, He gives them to you so that you can enjoy them. Wow, praise God. So God wants to bring enjoyment into your life. And I think that uh, we're going to talk about asking today. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus brought out the ask, seek, knock teaching. But here's something that you need to be very mindful of today. When you ask the Lord, you don't necessarily need to ask God for something because you need it. That's not, that's not any new revelation 
to the Lord. There's people under the sun by the billions that are asking God for stuff. Why? Because they, they need it. Then maybe they do. But that's not why it comes. And that's not even why God answers. You need to talk more directly to the Lord and say, say it like this, or even pray it like this. Lord, I would really like for you to do this for me. And I would really like this thing in my life because I would enjoy it. Now, do you see the difference? You may even need it. You may not need it. But either way, God brings it into your life richly. Why? So that He will provide your needs? No. So that you can enjoy it. So that you can enjoy it. Oh, praise the Lord. So just talk to the Lord from that directive. When you ask the Lord for something, just say, Lord, uh, Lord, you know whether or not I really need this. Because between you and I, there's not a lot that if we just get down to the basics that we actually need. I mean, you don't even need toothpaste. We can let our, we can let our teeth turn yellow, right? We don't even have to brush them. That, that's not good, but it's not like, then again, it's not like a, we can't live without it. You know, you can, you can probably live without taking a shower, uh, you know, every week or every day. But that's not ideal, is it? No. So it's, this is not about just basic common survival. We're not on some remote island where we're trying to build a grass hut and, you know, survive from the mosquito bites. No, we want to be in the, pl in the place of blessing. And so God wants to pour into your life, not, not just because you need it, but because you will enjoy it. And you are a son, a daughter of the Most High God. And God looks at you as being His child, because you are. And He wants you to enjoy these things because it, it brings enjoyment into His heart. So when you're asking God for something, don't just always try to explain to the Lord why you need it. Lord, I need it because of this. And you know, you give, and there's, I think there's a place for that. But you also need to approach it from the angle, Lord, I'm asking Really, if nothing else, because, uh, Lord, I would really enjoy this. This would really make me happy. Lord, I don't love it because I love you, but I can actually identify this as being something that I enjoy. Praise God. Okay, so that's one of the reasons God blesses you is so that you can enjoy it. And He'll pour it into you richly. That's what it says here in verse 17, who gives us. God gives you richly all things, all things, deodorant, toothpaste, a nice car, a nice house, nice clothes. He gives you all things. Why? Well, because we need them, Pastor Stephen. No, not because you need them, so that you can enjoy them. Praise God. Some of you have been religiously indoctrinated to feel like, you have to feel guilty about having something nice. That you have to apologize for having a nice pair of shoes or having a nice pair of socks. You can't even freely enjoy a pair of socks. Praise God. But whether it's socks or whether it's your own soccer field, it, it doesn't matter. God gives it to you. Why? So that you can enjoy it. Praise God. Now let that, let that teaching of the Word of God settle into your heart and affect the way you think. It'll make you very, very happy in life. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as your people are bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse, the place of the spiritual resource, 
Father, as they're honoring you with their finances, Father, pour into their life the things that they enjoy and let them ask you, knowing that they would find great enjoyment in that. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you also for clarity of heart, speaking to you from our heart, not just religious prayers, but real heart-to-heart -heart talks, expressing our heart the way you created us to be. Thank you, Father, for giving us enjoyment through the blessings that you bring into our life. We give you praise. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Because you're a tither and a giver, the Lord right now is rebuking the devourer. The devourer would love to gobble up your blessing, gobble up the, the good things in life, but he can't, he can't touch it. Why? Because you're a tither, and there is a covenant protection around your life, around your finances, because of your position in Christ, and it extends beyond your finances into many other areas of your life as well, because you honor the Lord with your finances. Now, if you're going to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28117. If you would like to go online and bring them in safe and secure through credit card transaction, you can do so also. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings Sow and Reap, and you can go there right now, day or night, and send them in, and they come directly into the ministry storehouse where they are used for the continual expansion of the preaching and teaching of God's Word throughout the earth. And thank you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord, and watch how God will bless you. And as it says in verse 17, watch how God will give you richly, all things to enjoy. If nothing else, it's for your enjoyment. Hallelujah. Even if it just sits on a shelf and all you do is look at it and you just enjoy looking at it, count it a blessing from God. He'll do all kinds of amazing things like that for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not everything has to be a tool in life that you are able to work and use and it's, you know, it has some kind of like a uh, implemental value. In other words, we can implement and do something with this. Not everything in life is a screwdriver. Not everything in life is a debit card. Not everything in life is a wrench. Some things are just designed just to sit there, and you just look at it, and it makes you happy. But whatever it is, just enjoy the blessings of God and love the Lord with all of your heart. Praise God today. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 7 and actually talk a little bit more about this same subject. And we'll find this in the Lord's teaching. Matthew chapter 7. Praise God today. This will be verse 7 that we're going to start at. Glory to God. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into the, the, the study portion of your word uh, from today's sermon, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now, flow through the internet and touch your people. Illuminate the eyes of their understanding. Let the spiritual light bulb come on. Now, Father, we thank you. I'm asking, Father, for grace to be released to your people today, that if there's anybody weary, that they be refreshed by your Spirit. If there's anybody faint, that they be encouraged and they get up and continue on working your principles, knowing that breakthroughs and miracles are at hand. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your anointing in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Hallelujah. I feel led to stop just for a moment before we get into this and just give you a heads up on what God's doing. Um, there is going to come a moving of the Holy Spirit 
amongst the gay lesbian community. And, uh, you know, back in the uh, 70s, there was what was known as the Jesus Movement. And one of the people that God had His hand on was a man named Lonnie Frisbee. And uh, Lonnie Frisbee is in heaven. He, he passed away uh, years back. Uh, I had a vision uh, a few years ago, and I was taken to heaven, and I actually met Lonnie Frisbee in heaven. The Lord Jesus introduced me to him uh, in an area of paradise, a beautiful park area. And uh, Lonnie Frisbee is in heaven today, and I was able to talk with him a little bit, and he shared some things of encouragement with me concerning the next coming move of God. Uh, but my friends, there, there's a similar uh, wave coming. Uh, the, the waves are never the same, and God does things new all the time. But I want you to know that one of the great uh, harvest fields in the world today, in America today, in North America, is the, the, uh, the homosexual community. And you're going to see many, many uh, gay and lesbian people get saved, get washed with the blood of Jesus. Remember the Apostle Paul, when writing to the church in Corinth, he begins to give a list of all the things that they had been delivered from. And he lists, he lists homosexuality. He lists uh, the, what would be called the effeminate. He, he gets into all these uh, yucky sins. And he said, and such were some of you. And so there were many people in the church in Corinth who came out of heavy, heavy pagan uh, backgrounds with uh, uh, temple prostitution. All of that was normal back then. And even when they got saved, it still took a lot of work for Paul to teach and to help them to understand that they are now a new creation in Christ and they need to start living a different lifestyle completely. Because when, even when you get saved, you still have to learn the ways of God. But I want you to uh, be aware of this because this is where uh, an area of revival of great harvest is, is at. Uh, in, in, in the earth today, and God's going to begin to touch the homosexual, lesbian community. You're going to see many of these people uh, come to Christ. Now, you'll have some that, of course, won't, that will reject, and they will, they will uh, keep on their path to eternal damnation. But there are others, and I'm talking many, 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 where there's going to be a revival, just like the Jesus movement, and, and the Holy Spirit targeted the hippies. And, you know, the hippies during that time were kind of like the scourge of society. They were the drug users. They were the losers, the dropouts. They were the ones that the parents, uh, you know, just gave up on and said the kids are hopeless. But God targeted millions of them, and millions were swept into the kingdom of God. You watch what God is going to do. He's going to touch these communities of areas of these people that are in uh, sexual perversion, and they're going to be delivered. They're going to be washed clean with the blood of Jesus. And many, many will be uh, uh, raised up as preachers and uh, uh, with apostolic anointings to go back into those communities and speak the message of deliverance. But watch what God is going to do. Hallelujah. Remember, uh, revival in many ways is messy. Uh, it's just like, uh, you know, dealing with the trash. Anything in the trash or garbage industry, well, it's just, it's, you know, it's junky stuff, okay? But you need to cover yourself with the blood of Jesus and be able to minister to these people. Praise God. Hallelujah. And pull these people out of darkness because they're hungry and they're hurting. And uh, many of them, their hearts are even right now, they're already open to the Lord. And I just want to speak for a moment. If there's anybody watching and you're trapped in a homosexual or lesbian lifestyle, I want you to know that Jesus paid for your sin at Calvary. And if, if you'll just receive Him as your Lord and Savior, He will deliver you and wash all of your sins away. So if that's you and you want to be set free, lift your hands up right now. 
and pray this prayer with me. Just say this, say, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. I have dishonored you with my body, but I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I ask you to deliver me and set me free. I give my life to you. Wash me, O God, with the blood of Jesus. Wash me clean and whiter than snow. I lay my life down before you, and Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Now, if you've just prayed that prayer, you need to get plugged in uh, somewhere where you can grow spiritually. I want to encourage you to keep watching these programs. I also want to encourage you to uh, pursue finding a church home for you so that you can grow and be nurtured in the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do that and watch the blessings of God follow you. Praise the Lord. God's moving. I just felt the burden. I needed to share that. I know what God's up to. Good things. Many people that, uh, how can we say the church uh, has given up on, God's going to get them. God's going to get them. Just watch and see. And you should have compassion. What if one of those people where your son was a son or daughter, uh, you would have care for them. You would want God to save them. Well, God's going to do it. It's, another, it's, a, it's like another Jesus movement, but it's going to be a different anointing, a different twist, but it's still the same Holy Spirit. Get ready and let God even work through you. Hallelujah. This is also the area where when we lead them to the Lord, we must also lead them uh, very, very soon into the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they will have the strength to continue on with the Lord. Praise God. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise that you're filling the hearts of those that are hungry with your spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, today. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. It sounds so simple, and it is. Uh, but of course, as you begin to walk it out, you begin to realize you have to walk this by faith. If you were to read this in the Greek, uh, we can't catch it fully in the English. If we tried to bring out the Greek nuance on every sentence, you'd have a Bible that's like literally, you know, 14 inches thick. So uh, I just sometimes want to bring out the little nuggets. Uh, in the Greek, it actually says, ask and keep on asking and keep on asking and keep on asking. It's a continual thing. And then it says, seek and keep on seeking and keep on seeking. See, if you do that, then you're going you're gonna to get the answer, you're going to receive, and you will also seek and you will find. And knock, when it says knock, it actually is implied in the Greek, and keep on knocking, and keep on knocking, and keep on knocking, and then the door will be open for you. So this is what happens. Sometimes Christians, they ask, maybe even a couple of times, and then they're like, well, I guess it just wasn't meant to be, nothing's happened, and they give up and quit. And you have to be very, very persistent in this. Now, in, in the days when the Lord was teaching, uh, when most people understood Greek, and also He taught in Hebrew and Aramaic, they could understand that language. They would have known that He meant this is something that you have to just stay with and be very persistent with, because just because you ask once or twice doesn't mean that suddenly that thing that you've been looking for suddenly is received. Uh, it, it takes persistency. And what can happen in, in the... Uh, whoops. Hallelujah, almost knocked my camera over. What can happen in the interim is that you, you can find yourself becoming discouraged because you're thinking, Lord, uh, I'm expending myself here. I really am asking, and I really am seeking, and I'm really knocking, 
but Lord, I haven't had the manifestation yet. And maybe, maybe you're even pushing really hard in prayer and you're seeking the Lord and it still hasn't shown up. So here's the thing. You've got to keep working this. If you keep working it, uh, if you keep knocking on that door, uh, it's going to open. But I think in this process, God does a supernatural fitting out. Because some people, they're knocking, and they think this is the door, but the Lord knows, no, that's not the door. That's the wrong door. And we walk, we walk by faith. Don't you wish that God would just sometimes tell you directly, do this? And there are those times when He does. And when you get those directions, they're called, it's called the supernatural word of wisdom. It is literally God telling you exactly what to do. But remember, for the majority of the time, outside of the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, for the majority of the time, you walk by faith, not by sight. You walk by faith. God's not going to manifest those spiritual gifts all the time, uh, because if He did all that, you, you'd just be wanting them all the time. Now, He'll, he'll do it often, but you still need to walk it by faith. And when you walk by faith, that means, that means you're, you're faithing it. That means you don't have an absolute yes or even an absolute no. You're having to feel your way around. You, you don't really know if that's the door or not. Well, then how are we going to find out? You knock, and you just keep knocking and knocking. And it, here's the thing about the Lord. When you're walking with the Lord, if that's not the door, He'll cause it to never open or to close because He will not allow you to go through the wrong one because He loves you. But if it's the right one, you may have to keep looking, not just because you know, uh, God, God wants you to experiment on different paths, but this is the development of faith. This is the maturing where you become a believer, and you, a mature believer, and you realize, you know what, I'm going to have to put something into this. I'm going to have to put some effort into this. When you look at those who are successful in life, they did, didn't just like show up somehow overnight and, and, you know, now it's all here. Some, what, what the world calls an overnight success oftentimes is like 20 or 15 years behind the scenes of asking, seeking, and knocking, and just staying with that. And then you get momentum, and then uh, greater doors open, and suddenly you're, you're on a, a high plateau. But it just took staying with it. You really have to be persistent. Uh, you know, when you think about the Apostle Paul, he was with, uh, with Barnabas, and they're, they're trying to go into a certain area. And later, he's with, uh, he's with Silas. They're trying to go into certain areas, and, and, and the doors aren't opening. They tried to go into Bithynia. Then they tried to go into a certain part of Turkey uh, called Asia Minor. And the, it says in the Scriptures in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit forbade them to go. Now, from the natural mind, you may think, now why would the Holy Spirit uh, hold back the great apostle from preaching the gospel. Didn't Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel? Yet here they are trying to go into a certain area and preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit won't let them go in there. You have to go with the plan of God. You have to go through the right door. Okay, so that's why you need to knock, maybe sometimes on multiple doors. And if, and if you knock, that right one will open. And then Paul had a dream. And in, in, in the dream, uh, a night vision, a man from Macedonia was standing up and saying, come over here and help us. Well, Paul interpreted that as being, we're going to go to Macedonia. That is known as the Macedonian call. I believe that God has a Macedonian call for you. It is the door you're supposed to go through. But you'll never get there if you don't keep knocking. It's very, very important. And trust me, if the Apostle Paul had to knock 
to try to find the right door? If he did, with the prayer life he had and the strength of the word that he had, you, now you know that we're going to have to do some knocking as well. It's not always automatic where you just get it the first time. I have had that happen. I, I've had uh, critical choices to make, very, very important decisions, sometimes major. Uh, I'm talking destiny-altering choices, and sometimes I got it just quickly, right off the first choice. There was one time we were looking uh, at a building to move our ministry to. Uh, this was maybe 10 years back or something like that. And I, the first building I looked at, me and my wife walked into it, and we knew that we knew without a doubt this is it. Didn't, didn't ever look at another building after that, just selected it, and it was just as smooth as warm oil. All the contract arrangements, everything moved in, money came in to remodel and all kinds of things. But, uh, you know, it was wonderful. But I've had other times I've had to look. Uh, that, so you, you can't say, well, because it happened once, it'll happen like that every time. No, the norm is that you ask, seek, knock. And that, that means continual, okay? And the, oftentimes, the higher you go, when there's more options, you have to be more persistent with your knocking, and you really have to pray, Lord, is this it? Because you may think, well, maybe not. Then you might come back a few days later, and you think, well, maybe it is. If you keep knocking, keep seeking, you keep really praying into it, you will come to an absolute knowing of what you're supposed to do. Now, if you're married, you need to understand that your wife is a joint heir with you in Christ. And oftentimes what the Lord will do in order to keep that, that, the marriage healthy and also respect for each other, God will give uh, this spouse part of the information, that spouse the other part of the information. And God will give the husband some, and then God will give the wife some, and then you both confirm. And uh, it, it's, a, it's beautiful to see how the Lord does that. So, um, you know, husbands, listen to your wives. Wives, listen to your husbands. And, of course, as, as Scripture says, Christ is the head of the church. The husband is the head over the home. You have to have leadership. There has to be a clearly identified leader. But just because you're the leader doesn't mean that you don't receive input. You have to be willing to receive input because that person also has a portion in this life that that, that person is going with you. That's what submission means. It means you're submitted to their mission. It doesn't mean that you domineer people or dominate over them, but the husband to that, to their, to that person's wife, that wife is submitting, but that means she's submission. She's under that mission, supporting the mission that God, men, has given you an assignment to. So there needs to be good communication, good conduct, uh, excuse me, good conduct. Well, good contact, and by the way, good conduct as well, right? Because going into that, that door, God, God will be speaking to both of you. Praise God. And if, if one of you has a big no-no, then uh, the other needs to really uh, give heed to that. Because uh, God, God does speak very, very clearly. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. So ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking and knock, and the door will be open. I wanted to share this message today because I feel that some of you have gotten discouraged uh, with the ask, seek, knock principle format that Jesus here teaches. Maybe you're looking for a job, and you don't have a job. That can be very, very frustrating, and it also can be very difficult financially because if you're not working, uh, you're either living off your savings, and if you're living off your savings, you're depleting your savings, or maybe you're in a place where you don't have the savings, and you're having to wing it. Every, uh, you know, every time bills roll in, you're trying to figure out a way to get it covered. Well, my friends, uh, in the midst of not having work, keep asking, 
Ask around. Has anybody seen an opening? Ask your friends. Anybody know of an opening? Some people have gotten great jobs because of a reference of a friend. When I was younger in life, I got a tremendous job because my friend one day mentioned a job and, and I, I, I asked more about it and he said, hey, if you're interested, he said, I think I can get you in. Just come down and apply. I went out and applied. It was the highest paying job I ever got. It, it blew away minimum wage. I mean, and, you know, I didn't really have the, the skill set for the job, but it didn't matter. I had asked and had caught uh, a good reference from, from a good friend. And the next thing I knew, they hired me and then they taught me what to do. But, you know, ask, ask around, ask in the network, you know, ask on the internet, ask your friends and then seek. You're going to have to go after it. Okay. And then knock, knock on the doors. If, if you're seeking employment, one of the worst things you can do is just turn in a resume and then, you know, turn in an application, submit it online. And then, you know, you never, you never follow up. No, you need to go to the, you need to go to the facility. You need to, you need to put a call in. You need to try to speak to the HR person. You need to do those things. You need to try to do all that you can ask, seek, knock. Woo, glory to God. Well, Pastor Stephen, the, uh, it hasn't opened, okay? Then it's not the right door. Keep on going. Keep on going because it's going to open. And when it does, it's going to be really, really good. Now, my, my friends today, where so many people want everything handed to them. I mean, uh, th th this is stuff where the government has so indoctrinated people with a warped mindset of wanting to get a free cell phone, wanting to get, you know, uh, some, some uh, free food from the government, wanting to get a free this or a free that. Uh, don't be uh, um, held back from working, uh, uh, giving effort, making, making that, uh, that, that attempt to be successful. Go for it. Praise God. You know, I, I was reading the story about a man. He was the largest rancher in the world. And I, I know in Texas, they have some pretty big uh, cattle ranches. You know, you have the King Ranch uh, down in Texas. Uh, this man in Australia, though, uh, developed a ranch that was almost as big as the state of Texas. Wow. But you know what? What happened is this man knew that if he could just get a loan, this, this man knew that if he could just get a loan from the bank, that his idea of developing a cattle ranch would work really well. So he went to one bank after another and they said, no, 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 no. If I'm correct, he asked, he asked, I think like a 113 banks. It was, there's something crazy, but on the 112th or the 113th one, a bank finally said, okay, well, well, we'll loan you the money. He went all over the place asking, uh, and he got turned down. So a, a lot of people would quit after just a few times, but you must be persistent. There's somebody that, that will connect with what it is that you have. It, it's a spiritual connection many times. That's why it works. God will, and if you'll pray, it'll come faster. We're talking about somebody that was, as far as I know, an unbeliever, just, you know, who had very strong willpower. But what God does is he makes connections that are spiritual. And you, you can go real fast if you get those connections. Woo! Praise the Lord. I feel, I feel the anointing on that. Okay, so you need to be praying. Lord, and, and if you'll pray, God, God will send you. It just, all it takes is one person. But you and that one person are both spiritual. And that person's the one that can open the door for you. Praise God. And the next thing you know, you're in. Hallelujah. So pray for those connections. But this man asked over and over, and he finally got the yes. And he went on to develop the largest ranch in the entire world. Praise God. So don't be discouraged. I don't think it's going to take you 112 times. I think it's going to happen a whole lot sooner, but you still need to be a person that gets out there because some of you, you, you think I don't have the money. 
really, that this may sound like a wild statement. The money is not the issue. The issue is that you're not asking, you're not seeking, and you're not knocking. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't qualify. That, 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 that's, mm, I'm, going to, I'm going to say this in a, um, in a broad sense. That's irrelevant if you don't qualify. You can, you can still get in. God's got a million ways He can get you in. There, there's all kinds of things that, uh, that creatively can be done. You, you may not know about it, but God does. And so you need to be open to that. So you, in other words, you, maybe you need a loan. Well, you know what? You need to apply. Oh, Pastor Stephen, well, you know, why, why even apply? I don't have the credit. I, I, I don't have a deposit. No, no. Apply anyhow. You might be surprised what your credit is. You might be surprised that they'll lend anyhow, even with your bad credit. But see, let me, let me share something about debt freedom. There are some people, they put too much of an emphasis on being free from debt. And they make, they make it sound like once all of your debts are paid off, you never have to use your faith ever again. You are now debt free, and you can just take your faith and hang it up over here because you don't need it anymore, as, as if somehow life stopped. But let me say this, even if you are debt-free, which, which is a blessed position, but even if you are debt-free, you and I both know bills still keep coming in. And as long as you're living and breathing on this planet, you have to eat, so you need more money to pay for the food. If you have kids, kids uh, children cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So even if your debts are paid off, it doesn't mean you get to go on a faith vacation. You need to be using your faith for the rest of your life. Praise God. Now, of course, use your faith to believe that God can bring you uh, into a place of being free from debt. But also understand that uh, until we're with the Lord in heaven, we need to be on our game and pursuing and pushing and moving forward all the time. It's not like just because maybe you reach a certain plateau that you get to kick back and breathe easy and just, you know, you don't have to, quote, do this spiritual stuff anymore. Oh, no, my friends, this is the journey of life, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so there are absolutely times when the Lord uh, can work through you to get a loan. And it's not a problem. The Lord knows He's going to help you get it paid off. I remember one time uh, Pastor Benny Hinn uh, needed an extra facility. This is out in Mission Viejo, California. And uh, th there was a building, a very beautiful building that he wanted to buy, that the ministry wanted to buy, but it was too expensive, and he had already looked at it, but he, uh, the ministry couldn't afford it, and, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. They would have to take a loan to get it, and he, he just said, well, Lord, you know, this is, this is too much money. And he said that he went home, and uh, the next day he was taking a shower. And while he's shampooing his hair, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Do not lose that building. I tell you what, he said he jumped out of the shower, uh, you know, put a towel on or whatever, and called the realtor and said, Buy it. You know, we'll, we'll get the loan, whatever it takes. So my friends, don't, don't get into some kind of... Um, tunnel vision where you, you don't allow God to have flexibility with you because God can do a lot of things. Remember the scripture says, using this world but not abusing it, okay? Using the world system. It's all, the whole world system one day will be gone and everything will be a beautiful playing field, a level field, and everybody can be blessed. But right now, even with the Babylonian system, the, the scriptures say in Luke chapter 16, using this world, but not abusing it, okay? You can, you can use credit, you can use debt, just don't abuse it. This is not something that you're supposed to start, you know, seeing how many credit cards you got. Don't take me out of context. I'm a big believer in paying down debt, trying to stay out of debt, 
and using wisdom in your finances. But at the same time, if there's somewhere you're supposed to go and you know you need a loan to get there, then walk in faith. Remember, it says in Romans chapter 14, that which is not of faith is sin. So if you're going to get a loan, go get your loan in faith. Apply in faith. You don't go there with all kinds of doubt and stuff like that. No, do it in faith. Praise the Lord. It's not, it's not a sin. Praise God. If it were a sin uh, to, you, to, to get a loan, then it would be a sin to lend. But the Lord said, I'll make you the, the lender and not the borrower. Where if, if you're lending, that means somebody's borrowing from you. So if borrowing is a sin, then lending is a sin. So it's not a sin. All it is is that it's a more favorable position to uh, be the lender as compared to the borrower. Praise God. Hallelujah. But even if you're debt-free, you still, you're still going to need more money, and you're still going to need to use your faith. So keep on going. Hallelujah. Praise God. So ask. Keep on asking. Uh, and, and you're going to receive. Seek. Really, really seek. Don't be afraid to do the legwork. Don't be afraid to get on the internet and research. Don't be afraid to look at multiple options. And if you seek, you will find. You'll find the, the thing that's just right for you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then, of course, knock. And keep on knocking. Here's the thing that's so good about the Lord. You can, you can go through this process and work the Word of God and, you know, sometimes at night, maybe 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, after you put a long day in of giving your best, you can feel exhausted. And you may think, Lord, I, I just don't know. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm fatigued. I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. And, Lord, I, I don't know if I've even made much progress. But, see, here's the thing. You wake up the next morning after a good night of sleep. You get up early and pray. And what's the first thing that happens when you wake up? you feel the mercy of God. See, it says in the scriptures that His mercies are new when? Every single morning. And that mercy will rush back in. And you're like, oh, it's going to happen. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on knocking because God's going to do it. And He will. And ask also from that perspective that we talked about earlier, not just because maybe it fulfills a need or this is something that's, that's vital that you have to have, but also from the perspective of, Lord, I would really enjoy this. Yes, Lord, we need it. Yes, Lord, uh, there is a viable reason for it. But Lord, I'll be honest with you, it sure would make me happy also. I sure would enjoy it. Woo, thank you, Jesus. God, God wants you to be happy. And so ask and seek and knock, and it's all going to come together for you. And I, be I believe what you're going into is greater. God doesn't want you to go backward. Uh, if you lived in a house that had uh, 800 square feet, God's not moving you down to 300, okay? God's moving you forward. God's taking you to the next level. God's taking you from glory to glory, from faith to a, a higher level of faith, and from strength, that spiritual strength, even to a new level of spiritual strength. You are growing in the grace and in the knowledge of God. And this whole process, ask, seek, knock, uh, it develops you. Because when you ask and receive, you're like, oh, this works. When you seek and you find, you're like, hey, I, I understand how the kingdom works. And when you knock and the door opens, you're like, now I know how to instruct others, and now I can even disciple others in this because I've walked through it. And then when you go through it, you're like, if it worked before, let's work it again to go to the next level. And you'll find out it works there too. Woo, because your faith acclimates. 
your faith acclimates just when you climb a high mountain. I remember the first time when I got up to about 13,000 square, uh, 13,000 feet on a certain mountain that I was climbing. Oh, I had the headaches, uh, piercing headaches. So we just kind of, we kind of had a, like a base camp there for a couple of days. And then after that, we went up to 22,000 feet. And at 22,000 feet, I wouldn't want to stay up there a long time, but I did make it to the summit. Ooh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But see, you acclimate. And, uh, you know, after I'd been at 13,000 feet for a while, I'm like, I'm ready. I don't have a headache anymore. I, I feel good. Uh, now, I don't feel like I'm on sea level, but I do feel pretty good. So let's go to the next level. And I did. So your, your oxygen, your blood, and all that takes time to acclimate, but your faith the same way. You're going forward. You're going higher. You're getting stronger. And your walk with God is getting greater. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Your knowledge of the Lord is increasing. You know how God works, how He operates, and you get kingdom principles, and you keep working them over and over until you go home to be with the Lord in a blessed place of victory and leaving behind a legacy that blesses the generation that follows after you. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody that's watching today that they continue asking, that they continue seeking, and that they continue knocking, and that we thank you, Father God, as we work these principles, you will make sure that your people receive, you will make sure that your people find, and you will make sure that the right door opens for your sons and daughters. We give you praise. We thank you for your great care and love that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God forever. Let's, let's take communion together today. I want to read a scripture to you from uh, 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but the epistle of 1 John, which is uh, just before Jude and Revelation. This is 1 John 1. Verse 9. Let's read this before we receive Holy Communion. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you have not done that and you, you've, you sense there's sin in your life or you know you've committed certain sins, then confess them to the Lord right now. He will wash all of your sins away and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, it also says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that He, Jesus Himself, is the propitiation for our sins. What does it mean that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins? By the way, that's a word that you're probably never used outside of the discussion of theology or the works of Christ at Calvary. Have you ever used the word propitiation on your job before? Probably not. Well, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? It's a word that means atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Well, Pastor Stephen, what does atoning sacrifice mean? Uh, good question. It means that Jesus is the sacrifice that covers all of your sins. To atone under the Old Testament meant to cover. In the New Testament, you see that the blood of Jesus not only covers, but washes all of your sins away. Yet here we see that there's an emphasis at this scripture being placed on the truth that the Lord still covers your sins. Why? Because in the eyes of God, they're all washed away. But you know what you also need? Sure would be nice that if God not only washes them away so He doesn't know about it, but that He would also cover it 
so that nobody else knows about it. After all, would you like for your sins to be broadcast over the internet, on television? No, 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 because look, even good people make mistakes. Even, even righteous people can sin and, and do something that, that is wrong. And so you can repent, oh God forgive me, God will wash it away. But God can also cover it so that nobody will ever, ever know. He's amazing. And so Jesus is the propitiation for your sins. He is the atoning sacrifice for your sins. He is the sacrifice that covers all of your sins. And look, because God's not going to tell anybody, don't you think it would be wise for you not to tell anybody either? <laughs> if God has forgotten it, don't you think that you should also? Praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, that was the key thing that he apprehended. Forget the past. And you, look, look, Paul, Paul murdered people. Paul tortured people with the intent purpose of trying to get Christians to blaspheme God. And some of them did. And uh, he, he was aware of that. And he had knowledge of that. You, you may not be able to forget the things you did, but God can just, he could just take it all, uh, he could wash it all away. Wash it all away. It's just like, you know, almost like a, uh, from a, like a mental thing, it's just like a, like a, like a, how can we say, like a vapor or a cloud. It never happened. Praise God. And the blood of Jesus literally does wash it all away. So God can cover your sins. You know, um, I have a friend, and his testimony is very, very powerful. Uh, he's a Christian today, spirit-filled, travels all over the world, uh, preaching, teaching, sharing his testimony. And uh, he, used to, he used to be a sniper in the military, and he was taught by the military how to kill. He was a professional killer, and uh, that's what he did. Travel around the world, and he was the sniper, and he would take out the bad guy. Well, he got out of the military and got caught up in sin and went to work for the mafia. And he became a, a key hitman for the mafia. Anytime uh, there was a, a, a traitor, a turncoat in the mafia, or somebody not paying their money or paying their dues, uh, he was assigned by the mafia to take them out. And, and that doesn't mean punch them and knock them out. That means kill them. And he killed many, many people. He, he told me, he said, Stephen, he said, I, I, I know you've done a lot of ministry in Las Vegas he said, um, there's a lot of desert area outside of Las Vegas. It's not, a good it's not good to go out into the desert at night. I said, why? He said, we did a lot of burials at night because, you, you know, you kill somebody. You know, he said, we just throw them in the back of the, uh, the trunk, drive them out to the desert, dig a few feet, feet down, throw them in there and cover them up, and we're gone. But he said, there's a lot of people out there buried in the desert. And I said, well, I'm not really a person to go out into these remote areas anyhow, so I'm safe, but it's interesting to know that. But you know what? He, he, after killing all of these people, he pulled the trigger on another person and shot and killed this person. And, uh, and you know, he's, he's killing bad guys. This is a dirty under, underground world of, of sin and uh, the, the most uh, the darkest things imaginable. But he, he killed the person once. He told me when he did that, uh, the, the face of Jesus appeared before him in a vision and said, it's time to stop all of this. This is, your only, this is your last and only call, the salvation. And you need to receive me now. If you don't, you'll never have another opportunity. You're not going to live because they're turning on you. And so he already knew that there was, that, that's the thing. This, that, that whole world is a world of chaos and fear because um, it, it's just, it's awful. So he gave his life to the Lord. And, you know, uh, he, he had to come before some judges and things like that. But God did some amazing things that allowed him to uh, be free. And he's free. Uh, he didn't go to jail. God had great mercy on him and God covered 
what I'm trying to say is God covered him. I mean, this, this is a guy that could be in jail for 400 years, <laughs> right? But what? God covered him. God can wash your sins away, and God can cover you. Praise God. He'll take your sins, and it says that he will throw them into the depths of the ocean. Nobody's ever going to find them, not even with a submarine. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's so good. But they're gone forever, and they're covered. So you need to receive the forgiveness of God, receive the love of God, receive the goodness of God. So Heavenly Father, as we get ready now to receive the uh, flesh and blood of Jesus, we just thank you, O oh God, for the, uh, the great work of Jesus at Calvary. We thank you that He is the propitiation. He is the sacrifice that covers all of our sins. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There are some testimonies that are not meant to be told. Why? The statute of limitations has not yet run out. The Lord says, keep your mouth closed. Praise God. And just thank Him. Let your testimony be to Him in the secret place. Always walk in wisdom. Hallelujah. <laughs> the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Father, we consecrate this. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus, our Savior, that has now received the body of Christ together. Praise the Lord. Praise God forever. Father, thank you for the body of Jesus. Now, Father, we thank you for His blood. We thank you that His blood is the propitiation, is the atoning sacrifice that's covering all of our sins. Oh God, we give you praise. We thank you that you have washed them away. We thank you for your protection. And Father, there's somebody who's watching who really needs to know that because they feel like if this gets out, I'm in hot water. So Father, we thank you for humility that when a person humbles themselves, you spare them from the destruction associated with pride. So let there be humility in the hearts of your people and they will find your mercy and they will find that it is abundant and it is more than enough. Father, we thank you. We will receive the blood of Jesus now. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. My friends, thank you for watching today. I look forward to joining you back again next time. I think I'll be back in my studio next time, Lord willing. I tell you what, good things are happening. There are some things I can't tell you just yet. Wonderful, wonderful things going on with the ministry. And I'm praying for you wonderful, wonderful things going on in your life because God has a tremendous plan for your life and you're going to fulfill and accomplish everything He has called you to do. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Till then, keep asking, seeking, and knocking. God bless you. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.